Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Gentleman of Queens. I am your host, Julian Villard. I'm your co-host, Brian B. Ski Goyasso. What's really hood? Brian, this is the start of season two. We're back at it, man. We took a long hiatus, and I got to say, I, if I didn't talk to you every day, I'd say I'd miss you. I know, yeah. We, we, we never let that happen, but uh, yeah, I miss the podcast. I miss, I, miss, I, miss, I miss touching the fans, you know what I mean? I miss, you know... Our adoring public, they've missed us, I think. So many fans who love to be touched. Okay, it's getting a little weird already. Uh, we have an amazing episode to kick off season two for you. Um, this is something we recorded back in December with one of my favorite young, new, fresh-faced comedians, I guess. I don't know what you would call him. Uh, you may know him from HBO Max's Hot Dog or Hot Dog. He also was on the short-lived game show uh, on Quibi. And uh, he's just a man about town. He's phenomenal, Mr. Matt Rogers. Uh, what did you think of our talk with Matt, Brian? This was a, a fantastic conversation. Matt's hilarious, and he's a wealth of musical information. And he, uh, you could tell this was a genre that was very near and dear to his heart. We talked about divas with Matt. Uh, and I, I also like, I, it was really fun to, to, to get into this, because I don't really get to talk about this that much uh, I feel like I'm sort of confined by my identity as a uh, Jewish middle-aged father, but I got to really like express my inner love of divas. I I feel like you openly, you're you're openly. I mean, a, isn't it true that after this podcast on Matt's recommendation, you went and bought and listened to the Mariah audiobook? On Matt's recommendation, exactly. He 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 recommended not just reading it, get the audiobook because Mariah does she does the the whole audio audiobook herself and then she sings like the in-between you know, chapter titles and whatnot. It's 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 riveting. You'll be able to find the playlist of songs that we reference here aptly titled R G O Q E P dot nineteen Divas. That's right. Always with the great titles, the very easily searchable titles. You won't even have to repeat that again. They got it. No, they got it. You can just rewind. It's easy. And uh, if you don't know, I have launched a Patreon where this podcast will debut a day early. That's right. Our new broadcasting schedule is that we're coming out with new episodes every other Thursday. But if you don't know, you can get this podcast a day early in my Patreon. A day early? A day early. That's insane. Some people can't wait. You know, I can't wait. I'm impatient. It's, we live in a now culture. And why not? For $2.50 a month, that's all it costs, folks, you can be part of my Patreon. It's a steal. You get tons of content. You get my music. You get all kinds of free live streaming content. It's, it's wonderful. And be the first one on your block with that hot new Real Gentleman of Queens episode. Please head on over there and check it out. And without further ado, our conversations with Mr. Matt Rogers. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Gentlemen of Queens. I am your host, Julian Villard. I am your co-host, Bisky Goyaso. What is happening? That's right. We're back. We're back in effect. And you can't see us, but we are truly representing Queens because we're both wearing matching Queens sweatshirts on Zoom. This is no joke, folks. This is what's hot in the streets. I want to say that I'm realer than you, and I rep harder than you because mine is, like, all crusty and, like the white sections all like crumbling you know what i mean like yours your shit is too clean and, and you know what i mean well you know I'm, I'm so fresh and so clean but the truth is neither one of us really reps queen, queens anymore do we we're kind of a mess yo what are you doing you can't let them behind the freaking curtain all right anyway well we have a very very fun 
genre exploration for you again. And we have an incredible, incredible guest. I mean, the, the man is so young and the credits are so, so vast. I can't even, I don't even know where to begin with bringing this guy in. Um, we have, he is a, the host of HBO Max's Hot Dog. I call it Hot Dog, but it's Hot Dog. He is the co-host of the incredible podcast Las Culturistas. He is the co-host of the amazing uh, now defunct Quibi show, Game Show, which was incredible, which I was a guest on when it was a live show. He's he's everything. He's everything and more. Uh, native New Yorker, uh, son of the Strong Island. Please give it up for our guest, Mr. Matt Rogers. I love that intro. I love the anything that kind of just reinforces my roots, my Strong Island roots. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with the best. Queens people. I know. Well, I'm not really Queens. I mean, I'm Manhattan boy, sort of. I, I see. Even, I don't even know anymore. I'm where I am. Um, but also, I want to shout out to Bayside. Shout out to the last time we hung in person was on the heels of the Bagel Boss explosion. And oh you, yeah. And 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 you dropped the fact that that's your local bagel store. Oh, you mean Bayshore? Oh Bayshore. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, uh, Bayshore, not Bayside. I, I, thought you, I thought you were saying Bayside like the Saved by the Bell of it all. No, I was like, I no. mean, shout out to Bayside because they they created some There's amazing Bayside young Queens actors. Also, I... Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I don't know. Do you remember um, like when that whole um, like the the Bagel Boss nightmare happened? The guy screaming about um, in the Bagel Boss and it went viral. Brian, do you remember this? The short dude, the short dude that was like trying to fight Who everybody in the, club, in the club. Crazy, yeah. So in the, in the it, store, well, right? basically, it was he tried to make it like it, it, you would think it was the club. The level right. of <laughs> altercation was high. You would think everyone was like fucked up, but it was truly like 10 a.m. on a Sunday and um, he wasn't getting his bagel right or whatever. I forget exactly what the what the drama was, but that was my bagel boss growing up. That was the spot. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So Matt, we brought you on, like you, you're, you are someone that I identify as a prodigiously talented human. I am, I am in respect of your, your craft. And you, no, I, I'm serious, I really am, but we have like, I, we are pitching you the softball of all softballs on this show because we're going to really get are. you in like right in the zone. And we've brought you on to talk about it's not even the micro genre. It is the genre of divas. Right? Yes. Yes. And, and it covers so much. I mean, we were we were we were talking it's a little BTS for you guys. Uh, we were talking off off before we started the pod recording and talking about how, you know, you hear the word diva and you think a certain thing. But when I was putting my list together about, you know, the classic, the OG, the outlier, I was like, wow, there's so many people I bet y'all wouldn't even consider divas, but who have truly blazed the trail, just genres wide. Like, and, um, yeah. And, and the terminology, it comes from classical music. Like diva is actually a thing. Like it's- uh, It's an opera term. Is, no? It yes. is an opera term. That's right. Usually I would have researched this if I were a really professional podcast host, but I am being very unprofessional these days. Um, but yeah. it is a, ce a celebrated female singer, a woman of outstanding talent in the world of opera. Uh, and basically it is closely related to the sense of a prima donna. Now these are terms that we yes. now have adopted in a cultural sense, but they actually have a technical definition. So Matt, and again, the, the whole game of the show is we're just trying, we use these sort of loose genres to ex explore what, uh, we have cross-cultural conversations, mm -hmm. as we like to call it here on The Real Gentleman of Queens. Um, like, what is a diva? 
I think that it's it's exactly what you said. It is it's it's for me. It's not that men can't be divas. Like I think anyone that would tell Elton John he wasn't a diva could should should duck. Um, but um, I think that a diva is exactly what you said. It is a woman in music that possesses immense talent. It does originate from opera. You know, re very recently Mariah Carey released her autobiography, The Meaning of Mariah Carey, and she talks about how when the divas live show happened in the late 90s. I believe this was 90s. Oh, we're going straight in. We're going straight yeah, in. So, right in. So we, just oh, so yeah. you know. I was just watching this last week, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, yeah. it is crucial to be prepared, really, for this. You must have seen at least the first Divas Live, which was... Of course. So, And that they really... they really, Of course. They crossed every genre. I mean, they had Mariah, of course. They had Celine Dion, who I'll speak about in a second. They had Gloria Estefan from the world of Latin music. And then they had Shania Twain, who was the country diva. And they were all there sort of uh, supporting and celebrating Aretha Franklin, who also brought Carol King along, who's sort of the singer-songwriter diva, if you will. But basically, I think that at that time, Mariah talks about in the book how it started to become a negative connotation around the word diva, like having diva demands, like a sort of outsized personality that was making, uh, that was known for excess and sort of, uh, it became a thing culturally where we were talking about women being demanding and asking a lot and deserving a lot, um, and wearing big hair and, you know, the clothes, the garments, etc. But really at its heart, a diva is just, it's what you were saying. It's a, a musical female who possesses incredible talent, who could um, eventually earn this title and get away with all that stuff they tried to make it in the late 90s. And so it's sort of conflated now to mean all those things. I mean, Brian, we we can stop the show because he basically just... <laughs> that's it, right? Like he that's just The show is done. He basically have described what a diva is. We don't need to do the next whatever, well, however long. There's two more things, though, that we should add, right? So... Or, or, or tell me if I'm wrong, right? but when I hear diva, right? So I think obviously what you said, incredible, talented woman, right? Mm -hmm. But is there something to uh, the clothes? I feel, because I, I think I, extravagant clothes and I think huge gay following. I think that both of those things have become the modernized diva um takeaway. It's just like, right. you know, if you're going to be called a diva, you better show up um sort of representing that in everything. Like, that's why I was saying, like, before, it's sort of synonymous with big hair. Mariah, on that <laughs> diva special, she said, um, I'm doing my best to be a diva this evening. And she had about <laughs> 300 pounds of hair on. You know what I mean? It's it's <laughs> right, And when, right. when they have a good sense of humor, these women that are called this, and they're able to lean into it, it just makes it more fun. And so See, that was, like, actually a really... It's funny because on, on Lost Culturistas, my podcast, we talk about the moment that made you say culture was for you. And that was really <laughs> big for me in my development, that show. Um, and just the idea and concept of what a diva was. Because um, I think even before I was like vividly in a real, realized way aware of my sexuality, I was always just sort of flabbergasted and overwhelmed whenever um, a big <laughs> musical superstar that was a woman like took her space. Like something right, inside right. me responded to that. And yeah, the clothes are a part of that. The attitude is a part of that. The fact that you feel you're um, part of a community and supporting this person is a part of that. And so yeah, large gay following is 100%. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a diva that did not right. have her gaze. Right. But I, but I do think, and, and, and to sort of round this out, is like there is, there's like a representation element there because it's the fact that like they're almost like avatars, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and very it's much like, 
Yeah, and, and I think that's sort of what maybe crosses the line from like, okay, this is a spectacular female talent. There's almost like a cultish uh, type of, it's, it's like they're, they're, they're sort of speaking for a group of people in a way. Like, did you guys, and I, and, yeah, go ahead. Did you guys see the movie Judy with Renee Zellweger? She you know, won so the we Oscar. started it and oh, we were missed, missed we were mystified, and then like we fell asleep. You know, that's what that's married life. But we, you know, we I watched the first like, forty minutes. Uh, but, but you're actually okay. So you get that it's an amazing performance. The movie is fine, but one th and the performance is incredible. But one great thing that the movie does, a scene that I loved is there's a night where she is sort of lonely in London where she's doing her show, her final shows. Yeah. And there's a gay couple that she ends up speaking with and they're just like gagged. Like this is this is Judy Garland. This is like the queen of all queens who I'm sure we'll discuss. Um, but basically you get a glimpse into not only just her love for them for the unconditional support, but also their love for her and what you have to understand is I think the reason that gay men worship divas so much is because another thing that's inherent in their existence and their success is that they had to overcome a certain adversity to get there. Interesting. And I think that there is an intrinsic recognition um, when it comes to to gay men and the women that they choose to follow to the ends of the earth. And it usually is women, you know what I mean? For better mm -hmm. or, or worse, like you just don't see the same support amongst gay men for queer male artists. You know, you mm -hmm. don't, you, you don't hear gay men to this day still talking about, and this, this is a negative thing. And I think we should, and we'll get there, but you don't hear the same sort of, um, uh, George Michael adulation. As you sure. do for like, you know, someone who is like a Cindy Lauper. You know what I mean? Something right. like that. And I think it's because um, there is a fantasy that the diva creates. And there's also yeah. a recognition that they've overcome adversity to get as grand as they've gotten. Matt Rogers has, ar like, he's already in the top five guests. He's like, he's been destroyed. He's, he's destroying. Oh, he's on, that he's, 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 he's approaching Langston Kerman uh, hip hop sketches level. Of well, like, I'm gonna be a diva right now and be like, "What do you mean top five? The fuck!" <laughs> All right, let's get into. I it. know We're Langston gonna... Kerman. Well, I was just gonna say, I know Langston Kerman. Kerman didn't show up looking as good as I did on the Zoom. No. But let's be real. He's, no, he's a that's he's a, a gorgeous man. He's that a is, very he's handsome, a beautiful man. man. Just I, have to, a beautiful... I must say, you know, and uh, as secure in my heterosexuality, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. He's a very beautiful <laughs> man. Um, actually, I'm not that secure in it, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> let's move along. We're gonna start off with our playlist. We've got. Our essential divas up, and Matt, you are going first. Let's play a bit of this woman, yeah, so we can get a real sense of the vibe. Then you're going to tell us all about her. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, just the first note. I mean, yeah, I'm already, I'm already that's, feeling things. That's really a large part of why I've chosen this. Of course, we'll get to the writer of this tune, but of course, it's over seven minutes long. Mm -hmm. When is she coming? Is she coming in soon? I think there's it's a long there intro. Is more you might have piano. to it. Oh my god. Oh my god. All right. But the okay. thing I'm is so like I guarantee song, you everyone way. at home is like you don't have to fast forward it. Like <laughs> that's like, true. <laughs> Yo, let that shit ride, bro. Yeah. This song is there must be a radio edit of this. Yes, it's, there is. It's over 7 minutes long. Like this it's is an absurd. Epic. Yeah. It's an epic. Okay. I feel like we're getting there. We're getting there. But first, we have this. When the wind was so cold Oh, God. That my body froze in bed if I 
just listen to it right outside the window. So Matt, there were days yes. when the I don't want to interrupt so this. No, let's interrupt it. Let's but chat. Who, who are you? Who are we? Not like we need to know, but who are we listening to, Matt Rogers? So for my my first round here, which is the the classic essential diva, classic, the essential exactly. classic diva. The reason I've chosen Celine Dion is because of exactly what you're hearing right now. You know what I mean? It's the drama. And that's what I love. And when I when I knew I had to choose an essential diva, an essential diva song, it's important to remember, like you said, like this is not an original Celine Dion song. This is a song that was originally performed by Meatloaf. And so this is taking... I, I, well, I, I just want to point out your your emphasis on the second syllable of meatloaf. Meatloaf. Me, meatloaf. 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 <laughs> meatloaf. But this is, this is taking what was already drama. What was, what was already drama and yeah. saying, you know what? This has to be done by me. The essential diva. Because only I... It's like when Whitney Houston took I Will Always Love You. She said, there's drama here, but we're going to take it up. Because I actually have yeah. the full range and capability to tell this story in its dramatic splendor. And Celine Dion, you can even hear, like, oftentimes with Celine Dion, we think of My Heart Will Go On. You could break down in tears at the first note of her voice. It is storytelling down. In in, every, in uh, My Heart Will Go On, the every night in my dreams, you're already in it. You know what I mean? Like, right. this song, it's like, the way she sort of you know, it's not a scream, but it sounds desperate from the beginning. Like yelp. It is like, it's like glottal. You know what I mean? It's already like, she's starting at a 10. And right. that is true. The threshold that she has. That's another thing about her is it's like, I'm going to start you at what is basically a desperate scream from my lover. And it is going to go through key changes. It is going to go through. You're going to make a turn hard right into hell and end up in heaven. Like by the time this song is over. And that's, I really believe that Celine has just stood the test of time and talk about keeping her instrument in shape. Like she still's got this voice to this day. And right. the reason I chose this song and I chose Celine is because I think that it's just paramount in order to really appreciate it. This was someone's first day hearing a diva. You need to understand you're going to be told a story. It's going to be dramatic and it's going to be performed like no one else, even if someone's already done it, to acclaim. That Those are all incredible points. Um, I want to point out that the writer of the song is probably like, I would say he may be one of the divas of songwriting, which is Jim Steinman, <laughs> right? Uh, mm. Who penned all the meatloaf tunes and also Total Eclipse of the Heart. Like basically, uh, oh, any, yeah. any major pop song that is like, uh, you know, of course... Um, my all-time favorite. I, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But I won't do that. And Celine, and, and as Brian, you know, as Brian and I, uh, once upon a time, we were both professional singers. Uh, we made a living at it. Um, there was once a time when that was a yes. thing. I, uh, I, I, I love that. I aspire yes. to that. It, you know, yeah. You, you know, listen. You have, you have a. I think you're. I, I, I'd pay you. Um, but the, the, uh, the, the vote. Like she definitely, from a technical standpoint, is kind of operating on a on a very i mean a, like a top top she's top just top. about as good as it gets basically yeah. it's she's par excellence incredible over time instrument incredible too. singer incredible performer 
Yeah, she is captivating. And we were talking I, on on Lost Culture Recess. We just did an episode that was entirely about Celine. Yes. Talking about how she, quote unquote, made Vegas a thing. But <laughs> mm-hmm. when I say that, it's like, who else was really going to... I mean, she really broke Vegas open for performers her age and now really young artists. Like, we'll do a, a, a Vegas residency because... She is that consummate professional performer. And we were saying how when Celine Dion is on stage, she's what you're watching. You know what I mean? There could be shit going on around her, but she is such a star. She emanates such a confidence and a je ne sais quoi and just an ability that she is. Was that French because she's Canadian? You know, yes. French Canadian. (laughs) French Canadian. Um, uh, But yeah, it's just like she is the main event. She just is the main event. I want to point out I'm obsessed with this song. So when I saw that you picked it, I got so excited. And I'm, I'm, I I loved the song when it came out, whatever. Yeah. But I just listen I sh- for anybody that's that's that uh, that is not familiar. Check out um, the Hit Parade podcast by uh, uh, Slate.com uh, with our with, with our boy Chris, Chris Malampi. He just did an episode all about uh, Jim the, Jim Steinman and and his songs or whatever. I and and that. you know the peak of the episode basically is when Steinman, after all the meatloaf and and. Uh, 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 you know, total eclipse of the heart success, whatever comes back, and he and he gives this song to Celine Dion, and it's like the cute biggest hit ever. And oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm listening to that podcast and that song, and I'm like, oh my god, yes, that song, fucking song coming back. Yeah. And as soon as the podcast is done, I was I was on a long trip. I, I was on my way home. Uh, uh, it was a long road trip or whatever, and and I threw that song on, and then I proceeded to listen to it for like forty minutes yeah. on repeat. Just it's all coming back to like this song is so fucking good, and I'm like pounding my fist, you know, for the climax. <laughs> I, it's just, it's so good. And then I got to get home, and I'm still obsessed with it for like a week. Mm-hmm. Where now I'm looking up videos on on uh, on, uh, on on YouTube of, of Celine Dion. I'm looking up the vid, uh, Divas live performances. I'm looking up uh, uh, the video for this. I'm looking up somewhat recent videos of her performing this in Vegas. And like you said, her instrument still holds up. And I'm looking at Celine, and I'm like, man, I've I don't know if I've ever given it up to her the way I should. I mean, I've always recognized her as an incredible vocalist, but you know, Celine Dion somewhat justifiably has a reputation of being a cheese ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like her and like Michael Bolton, these like schmaltz, schmaltzy artists or whatever. But when I'm watching her perform this song, I fucking believe her all the way. Yeah, she like, never sells like, it out. She never bro, sells no, it she's out. Bro, no, like, she, she believes it. She's 1000% in the song, whether it be this one, whether it's the song from Titanic or whatever, like she is going for it. And the, even the shit of her like punching herself in the chest when she sings yeah. that uh, well, Anna Gostar used to do on yes, Saturday Night yes. I'm with all that shit right now. You know, I don't know if this is something that's going to wear off, but right now I'm like, yo, Celine Dion is the shit. She's one of the best musical actresses in pop because she is able to um, embody these things. And the fact of the matter is, she might be French Canadian, she might be kooky, but she right. has not liked a couple of her biggest songs. I mean, she is on the record. When she heard My Heart Will Go On, she was like, no, this is bad. Oh, wow. And Renee, her late husband, God rest, was like, you should record this uh, because it's going to be a huge movie. And they, James Cameron wasn't even down. He was like, I don't want to do a song. Like, it's a score. I do not want to do a big pop song. I, do, I feel like it's it's a cheese move. And they heard it because despite not loving the song, she still gave you a performance that would leave you breathless to a yeah. song that matched the tone of the film in its hugeness and splendor and drama and cheesiness. But it was the, it was the song for the moment. And she killed it without even really liking it. 
So quick and quick That's shout insane. out before we move on. It, not that I'm saying you should sit through all two hours of the, um, I, like, I don't know how you say infomercial slash propaganda. There's a David Foster documentary on Netflix. It was and weird. Oh, you watched it. Okay. But, this, yeah, I, but I, it. I thought the footage with him with Celine, and I didn't realize that, like, and I'm sure he's Canadian. She's Canadian. I'm sure he basically, but it was fascinating to see, like, the proto Celine, where she still got all the skills. The incredible voice, but she's this little timid girl from Canada who hasn't fully realized her her uh, greatness. And um, I thought that was an interesting little bit of that. But that, that documentary is bizarre. It was weird. Before we move on, should we talk about uh, uh, the Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Aretha Franklin divas? We're, we're going to cover that them. Well, writes because about? because because one of those ladies is coming up. I hope two are, but one of them is definitely coming up. Maybe we can wait. Okay, we will save for All right, later. Save That's for cool. All right That's here cool. we go. This is my. Uh, but yes. <laughs> splash. yes, yes, we should. Okay, cool. Essential pick for uh, sort of fading her in on her just scatting here. The night is bitter, the stars have lost I their mean, glitter, the winds grow colder, suddenly you're older, and all become. Of the man that got away. Killing it. Um, so, uh, if you don't know who you're listening to, you are listening to uh, the one uh, Mrs. Vincent Minnelli, <laughs> aka Judy Garland, <laughs> singing The Man That Got Away. A gorgeous Harold Arlen tune. Very unusual tune format, format wise, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And I obviously like, look, Judy's like ground zero for a lot of this stuff but I think there's some things that she represents as a essential quintessential diva that she is sort of the prototype in a lot of ways mm-hmm. for what this means and something we did not necessarily cover which I think Judy Garland embodies is that she to me the modern diva arc a big part of it is the the sort of raw talents of the beginning and the uh, like the night the, the, like the innocence of youth and the potential and then, and then, sort of that contrasted with the late stage version of the diva, which is that mm-hmm. maybe she's a little bit more worse for the wear, uh, and has more of a story to tell. And I think you know Judy Garland. Obviously, you look at um, you know the live at Carnegie Hall, which is like an absolute touchstone for gay culture. And you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like well, whatever. Rufus Wainwright was so excited about it, he needed to do his own version uh, in, in full uh, garb as well. Mm-hmm. But like. I, it, that was sort of, for me, in terms of, like, the fact, you know, it's like looking at her at age 17 in The Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. and then contrasting her, let's say, like, later stage, you know, her doing duets with Barbara on variety shows where it's like, you know, she's hooked on pills and God knows what else. And then, obviously, like, you had made reference to the biopic and Judy. I think there's something to me where I think about Diva where there is this arc of the sort of, like, it's the life story being told as well, which Celine is, I think, an exception because she's one of the very rare element. Like the voice is as good as it ever was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, you can make the same argument for Aretha or a few others or Shaka. But like um, there's something to me that's part of that diva narrative that it's like, you know, you've, you've gone from over the rainbow to, you know, I'm still here in Sondheim where it's like the woman basically telling her life story and all the things that she's been through. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then I, I, and maybe Matt, you know, I think you, I'm not going to make assumptions, but I do feel like among us, you are maybe the most qualified to speak on the relevance 
of Judy Garland to gay culture? I mean, I mean, it's, it's sort it's, of old it's, hat. It's old hat a little bit, right. right? Well, the thing is, it's it's unfortunate because I believe that in her extreme talent and in her extreme tragedy, she sort of has become like a prototype for um, people maybe thinking you must suffer in order sure. to be a great I mean, artist. Well, but that's that's an artistic mm. trope. I mean, that's not Judy Garland. That's like no, no, no. That Charlie had nothing Parker, to do with her. That's Elliot Smith. That's Jeff right. Buckley. That's like you name it. I mean, the suffering and the and it's like the Kurt Cobain. You know, yeah. And so when I watched Judy, like, yes, I was so blown away by her impact, but I left it ultimately very sad because of what this industry did to her. Yeah. Um, and it should be said that, you know, this was someone who had all the talent in the world and wanted to give it back and wanted to, you know, she's an artist that I think she had to give it back because if, if she kept all that energy inside of her, it would have driven her nuts. Like what would she, what would she have done? She had all this to give and she wanted to give it and people just took advantage of her and took advantage of her and took advantage of her to the point where she didn't know any better and had to turn to these vices in her life that eventually um, were her undoing. But what I will always remember about Judy Garland is she is so much more important to everyone, especially in American culture, than people realize because she is the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. She mm -hmm. is all these things. And She's also... To talk beyond just her incredible singing talent, which she was one of the most vivid storytellers. She was incredible, her, and her range was amazing, and her tone it was unmistakable. You really, until Eliza came along and was doing her thing, you hadn't heard a voice like that, and right. only because it was the literal mother-daughter connection could we sort of establish totally. that there was a similar timber or whatever. But just an astounding actress. The the performance that she gave in in the Star Is Born that she did, you know, there's the um, the scene where she's sort of explaining what the situation is um, uh, with her with her her husband that's beleaguered and she breaks down. It's it's like a scene that is still looked at today by film historians as one of the best single best acted scenes in cinema history. I mean, this mm. was someone who across the spectrum of art when it comes to being a performer, like she was an actress, she was a singer, she was a performer. And um, I think because the world hadn't seen anything like her, or more specifically, because the entertainment industry had never seen anything like her where they could get so much from her, they took and took and took and didn't know how to respect someone like that or handle someone like that. And it's so dark and sad, but ultimately, um, we remember her for the incredible artist that she was and um her impact on gay culture cannot be understated yeah i mean actually again, it's... her death was a huge reason why the stonewall riots even happened really so oh absolutely i mean oh, interesting. so and they they occurred very shortly after her mm -hmm. death and many people like queer historians say that it was not just um people crying out for their rights, but also a collective grief and oh, fury about the death of Judy Garland that things took place the way that they did. And, and also to your point earlier, you know, it's like she represents that level of like, obviously in her case, she didn't overcome it, but there is such adversity in her life. You know, she is such a, uh, like yeah. a tragic figure. And, you know, also create like, you know, something about Judy Garland, I think that no people don't realize she's 17 when she films The Wizard of Oz. She is mm -hmm. seven. Mm -hmm. 
18 years old when she sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And right. that I think is, for me, when I, you know, like obviously uh, being a, uh, a veteran of many piano bars, I have learned, I have spent much time with Judy Garland. And, but I think when I put that together, it's like that voice at 17 is singing that song and singing all those songs there's a wisdom and a knowledge and a depth and it's like an old soul type feeling. It's like you someone's know? seen it's the world, in, right. but how yeah. could they have? Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? And that's what's, shocking. that to me, when I think people, you know, cause I think also the modern criticism is they can't get down. It's got a little bit of that, you know, the 30, the thirties, forties, Ethel Merman kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it's the, there is like a gravitas and a sadness and a, and a world weariness in her voice, which is like, you think about, yeah. you know, and, and think about that cultural impact. It's, it's, it's her version of, um, have yourself a, a merry little Christmas from meet me in, in St. Louis. Mm, mm. It's like the saddest shit in the oh, world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that song is sad. That's a sad ass song. That song is sad. <laughs> is, 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 is the story that Sinatra cha- had them change yeah. the lyric before he would record yeah. it that, you know, because it was until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. Whatever. Totally. All right, let's move I, along. Let's get to our next quintessential. We're going to zip through because listen, we, we, uh, we are an incredible company here. So much verbosity, so much to talk about. This is hmm. Brian's quintessential. I'm excited. Diva pick, and I'm not going to fight this one. My people being represented hard here. So <laughs> sad times. Very this. Go long, bad times. Very this. <laughs> oh my God. Look at that voice. She's ridiculous. She's just <laughs> a freak. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. In many ways, but yes. Cloned her dogs. Cloudy gray times. You are now a thing. Oh, God. It's just, she's so fucking good. It's ridiculous. All right, Brian, who are we listening to? We're listening to uh, the one, the only Barbara. Mm-hmm. Joan Streisand. Flatbush represent. Flatbush, Brooklyn girl. Flatbush, I almost, Brooklyn. I almost picked her as my greatest of all time, well, but, but, but did not. Uh, could easily be. Yeah, you know, you guys are gonna kill me, or, or, or at least clown me. Like this is like a fairly new discovery in my as life. As long as it's a discovery, because that, that's, right, that's like, the I, thing. Is it's just like uh, the well is so deep that you. Right. I mean, start it now. You'll be thrilled for the rest of your life. I mean, she is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I come from like an R&B and and hip hop world of which there is no shortage, uh, uh, at least in R&B and soul music, of just incredible vocal talent. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I am kind of one of those dudes, or at least I was uh, growing up where, you know, whenever I would hear people kind of. Uh, uh, pining over or clamor, you know, clamoring for you know Barbara Streisand. I'm like, ah, whatever, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, whatever. Shit. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. What she got on Aretha? What she got on? The, you know, like it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I mean, obviously, I knew she was a, a superb talent, but I just wasn't really checking it out. And even now, I'm, I I I know a little, little, little bit. But a couple years ago, I was watching uh, uh, was it episode one or episode two of the of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. On Amazon, and they featured this song, the the yeah. Barbara's version of "Happy Days Are Here Again," and I'm like, "What yeah. the fuck am I listening to? This is so good! Like, just the 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 sheer quality of her voice, the 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 color of it, the, what she's doing with it, and then also, I kind of always, I think I always thought of Barbara Streisand as kind of like a you know a, uh, like a classical singer, but you know somebody that was gonna like you know kind of play it kind of straight up and safe and, and she's like almost screaming at the towards the end of the song in like this weird 
you know, state of abandon of something that I would not uh, associate with with Barbara Streisand. And I was like, yo, she is kind of a badass, isn't she? And I'm well, an idiot that hasn't been checking for her all these years. She will. She to this day says primarily she is an actress. So she considers right. herself a singer second or maybe not even second. She may consider herself a director second, but she she has said that singing was something that she found because of her desire and the talent that she felt she had as an actress. And so that's it. Bonkers. Yeah. And so what we have is one of the best singers of all time. But the, the reason why she is such a renowned singer is because it's like we were saying with Judy and you can tell a lot about um, someone like Judy by people that worship her and Barbara speaking of happy days are here again I mean they right. iconically well, do it on this song right. and it's like it, it's like right. it's just the number it's maybe the most important um, performance in like queer history um, but yeah but it is we, we spoke about we spoke about how um, you know these are actresses as well. Barbara Streisand, I was raised on Barbara Streisand. So my mother mm. is a huge Barbara Streisand fan. And so I actually would never watch The Sound of Music because my mom couldn't stop putting on Funny Girl. Funny right. Girl to this day, I believe, is the best performance by Wait, an actress in so a you, film. So you were saying you grew like, up, you were a Yentl household? Like Yentl was was on the, well, on the tap? Yentl, no. Yentl I didn't get to later. Okay, but, okay. But I will say, my best friend Sudi and I went to go see Barbara in Brooklyn like two years ago at the Barclays Center. Oh, wow. Okay. And oh, she yes. did Papa Can You Hear Me? And it was towering. It was <laughs> towering. And it's just like uh, behind her on the screen, there was a one lit candle. And like, <laughs> it was just, I'm telling you, it's, and this is the real, when you say diva, that is Barbara Streisand because. Bef this is another thing. And I, I could talk about her literally the entire podcast long, but. Before every song, she'd do like a spoken word transition into the song. And almost every single one, because it was like a career retrospective, she talked about like, and you know, uh, on this album, they wanted me to use a different picture. And I said, no, I want to use this picture. This is the picture I want to use. And I went back and forth and forth and back. And, you know, eventually I did win. And uh, this was the picture they used. And it won a Grammy for best picture on an album. So anyway, here's the song. And she would just do it. <laughs> but like before, it was just In like. In my head, she's talking about the cover with her as in the Supergirl t-shirt. Like, well, I don't know. But I, I forget which one it is. I probably, maybe. But like, I just, I was so shook watching it because she's killing these performances but also she's so living up to the diva thing right. by being like oh, the it. thesis of every transition was they tried to tell me it was wrong and I was right. <laughs> like it's just so well, you know, she's, and, and, so, and so good. I showed them. I, I think when she, you know, like the, the sort of lore of her, um, I'm not going to say her difficultness, but her like singularity. Um, eccentricity. Is, eccentricity is pretty, I mean, like I shouted out, she did clone her dogs. Yes. Like, I don't Stop know if you read that in the me. Times. And Stop so would you if you me. had a billion dollars? She, oh, no, her dogs are clones. I'm not, that's not a, go look oh, that I shit know. up. No, you know, he doesn't <laughs> know. clone dogs. He, she cloned her own dog. She, like, anyway, it's fucking insane. But my <laughs> my friend, <laughs> who shall go nameless, uh, works for SiriusXM and had to do an event with her for when her new album came out. And it was pretty wonderful. He was like, I was texting. At first he was like, does your mom want to go? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course she wants to fucking go. But- he was like, it's all true. 
everything. Yeah, He's like, we had to, we did it at Radio City and we had to cheer and change the air conditioning. She could only be lit from one side. Like it was yeah. all, like everything that you thought. And also something I'm realizing too. Wait, 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 wait. Break down the lit from one side. All of this is news to me, well, bro. That's I'm, like, I'm just that's discovering so this Well, so many of them. Like, like right. they yeah, have yeah. good sides and they refuse to only be lit by that side. My favorite thing about her is she only performs with a white microphone. Really? <laughs> it has to be painted white. She made Oprah paint her mic white so that she could sing there. And this is also someone who has a notorious stage fright. Like one time, like in the 70s or 80s, she forgot the words to a song while she was performing and she didn't perform for years and years. So this is like, oh, wow. like another reason why she says, because this is true, I have to get my things right. And also, right. ultimately, she is the genius there. So just shut up, like provide her with the things that she needs. It's uh, like that's the thing also right like she or the scarcity of her shows like she just kind of comes out at once every few years she does and not tickets perform are like a thousand dollars a pop or some shit you know it, honestly it was pretty affordable when i went to go see her but it did feel like something i was very happy i did in my human life right like it's in my, in my time on this miss. planet i am so happy that i got to experience barbara streisand performing live and that i have vivid memories of it because i'm telling you like since childhood and all throughout like and i almost put on this list List, there's a duet between Celine Dion and Barbara Streisand called Tell Him. And it's like Barbara Streisand is playing like this older woman who's like telling Celine Dion what she has to do to keep her man. And it's just, the video's amazing. It's it, Everything she does is iconic. And talk about saying she's an actress first. She's also killed some incredible comedic performances over the years. She's just, mm. she's directed, you know, awards, award-winning films. She's the real deal. Good, good one. Continuing on with our Divas playlist, we're going to move on to the outlier category. These are uh, women who push the boundaries of what we interpret uh, a diva to be. And we're going to start off, oh yeah, with a Matt Rogers selection. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A karaoke classic, if I may say so myself. Absolutely. And not her only one. Like, good luck not getting a pang in your stomach when you listen to this one, when this song starts. <laughs> I have spent too many nights with drunk white women with this song. So it's, I'm immune. I, this is, I like had COVID, you know, this is my, I had, <laughs> this is like musical COVID. I'm like, this is I'm, a tough one for you. You're um, like, let's listen to True Colors. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, it. I'm surprised you didn't go, um, what's the, Girls oh, the great one. Is it, is it, be, no, uh, the, like the, oh, all through the night. That's my jam. Do you know that one? Mm -hmm. All through mm -hmm. the night. Anyway, I'll stop singing over this. What are we listening to, Matt? So this is Cindy Lauper. And I wanted to choose Cindy Lauper because I feel like she is outside the box of what you consider a diva because she's like, you know, it's like her first album. She's so unusual. She's just outside the box. She is really... Uh, she was like a personality forward pop star, but she also had this incredible voice and she's an amazing writer. And when she wrote this song time after time, she actually said she sat down and she was like, I need a classic song. And she wrote this wow. classic song. And she's also, you know, a Tony Award winning um, I should do musical that. theater writer. Um, she is, she's an actress. She is a performer. She is a one of a kind individual. 
and th really she hasn't truly been replicated. And I'm sure they came along and tried to change her along the way because she hit hard right when Madonna did. And she was like, no, you know what? I'm not like this sexed up girl. Like I am this wacky girl. I feel like I'm gonna follow the music and follow my spirit and not like the way it's going. She sort of, we could almost call, compare her to Christina and Britney. Not that Christina shied away from her sexuality at all, but she was definitely like the other girl. You know what I mean? Like when they were both coming up, it just felt like Madonna was the Britney and then there was Cindy. And that actually afforded her, I think, oh, the opportunity yeah. to be a real artist and do lots of things, whatever she wanted to do. And she has stood the test of time. I mean, I pick time after time because I genuinely think it's um, outside of girls just want to have fun. It's the most iconic, but True Colors is the shit. And her entire discography is the shit. And I just really wanted to pick someone um, that rose up in the 80s and is like that different kind of image when you think diva, but definitely still has claim to that. Is she really Queens? Was, was Blue Angel, are they like a Queens band, her early band? I bet they are. That's like, she was probably like some er, like late 70s, early 80s punk rock. Cause you know, she was in a band called Blue Angel before all of before. She grew up in Ozone Park. Really? All right. That explains something. It explains the, the talking. Um, also, I don't think I've ever realized until now that she she replaced the I and the Y in her name. Yeah. She spells the C-Y-N-D-I. Um, like the, wait, the quickest story talking about hometown, hometowns, because I, I was telling Brian, like I almost chose, um, instead of, I wanted to pick someone from the 80s who was like outside this box. So instead of Cindy Lauper, I almost chose Pat Benatar. Oh yeah. Who, my dad went to high school with Pat Benatar. Amazing. So he went to Lind Wait, is Pat Benatar an LI girl? She was, she graduated from Lindenhurst High School and oh, her name at the time that. was Patty Antajeski. And oh, hell yeah. my dad Amazing. was, my dad was a freshman. He was in a regular freshman math class. She was a senior in a freshman math class. Like couldn't do math at all. Quietest person in school. Then at the end of the year, at the end of her senior year, she was in Bye Bye Birdie. She played Kim, which is like the ingenue part. Killed it. Graduated. Three years later, she was Pat Benatar. Oh wow! Rock well, I mean, goddess. Listen, if if we're gonna get into like like I eat freshman lunch with Khalees, all right. Woo! So yeah. so like and her, her name was spe she was she was she she was not she was not. I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to defame. I mean, the, woman, the important a, thing wait, is, what did was, her milkshake? Her name wasn't, did her milkshake bring the boys to the yard even then? There was no yard. Right. She was very. She was a lot more maybe. Um, uh, I don't know, upper class than she presents. You know, like it's a it's a bit of a fabrication, a little bit. Love but it. Love power it. to Khalees. Um, we. I'm not gonna let Cindy Lauper come up on this podcast and not mention that she is uh, wrote uh, and and sang. I think she wrote it. Top five major movie soundtrack song with her Goonies Are Good Enough song. That song is the <laughs> fucking jam. It is She's like- She's a classic. She's in terms of like working the familiar. title into the song. Um, yeah. Also, fucking great. from all accounts, a difficult person. That's <laughs> you know gonna this? be everyone on this. That's true. Stuff. That's true. She fits the category. It's almost like redundant. You know what I mean? Like, of course. If she showed up and wasn't difficult, I'd be like, right. this sucks. Yo, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, all right, we're moving along. This is my outlier pick. For, gotta crank the volume on this one. I tried to get real quirky with this one. It's so quiet. Iceland's own. Iceland's owned. Iceland's pride and joy. Lead singer of the Sugar Cubes, child star. I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce her crazy name. 
because mm. it's totally got umlauds and everything. But it's Bjork. It's Bjork. As we know and love. The diva in Scandinavia. Yes. Uh, well, I, I don't know if Iceland is Scandinavian. Here we go. And I picked a pretty safe Bjork pick. I could have gone like homogenic and gotten real weird on this podcast. But I was like, let's just keep it based. I mean, if the that's crazy not thing is like, like she she is so like emotion first. Like she's really like talk about like we talk about actresses on this pod. Like oh, yeah. she she is like emoting first, but the voice is endless. Oh, Her it's range is so like it's like way, 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 way better than it needs to be. And, and, right. and that's, I think, what, what, what is sort of the, 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 the hidden thing here is, I mean, she's a remarkable, uncanny singer. Um, and, you know, great artist. I was a huge fan. I uh, have a tragic story about trying desperately to use a Bjork show to, to get back with an ex-girlfriend that did not end well. Uh, but you took an ex-girlfriend to a Bjork show? Well, I, yeah, we slept outside for tickets at uh, Radio City. Stop. Yeah, no. And I tried all kinds of stuff and it did is that was that required to go see Bjork you would sleep outside oh well we were it was a it was a ill-fated it was like this was this is like at the peak peak Bjorks this is probably like right post dancer in the dark mm. right um god what's the record that comes after that with all the great songs but it's like right when she starts Vespertine it was on the Vespertine mm. tour which is when it starts anyway if like for Bjork background, if you don't know, she was a child star in Iceland. She was in a really cool indie band called the Sugar Cubes. And then she had this crazy solo career. And then it's like further and further, especially after she met her husband, who I don't know if they're still married, but Matthew Varney, the creator of, or Barney, I think it's Varney, the creator of the Cremaster Cycle, which is probably like the weirdest, most insane art film shit you'll ever fucking watch. Like, you know, wit beloved by the Whitney, her music gets more and more and more and more avant-garde and bizarre. Um, I feel like the first time I ever became aware of her was at the Oscars when she wore the swan dress. The swan and dress, performed, of course. Performed I've Seen It All from Dancer in the Dark, Same. which was nominated for an Oscar. Um, and I remember just not getting it at all as right. like a seven-year-old queer that was like, where's Celine Dion? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. get this. And now looking back on it, that performance is, she's so shocking and visceral. She is here to make you feel yeah. whatever it is she wants. Like, and she will, like, she, she, she draws it out. Does she, like, I mean, in queer culture, like, is she recognized as the shit? Oh, or? in a major oh, way. Okay, Because cool. it's like, I, I feel like way. she always had this avant indie cool, and she was for, like, weird girls and stuff. And like She's I'm commonly done on Drag Race. Uh, during They do Snatch Game, which is Match Game, but they all do a celebrity impressions. She's been done, like, two or three times. <laughs> okay, so she's in yeah. there. She's in the canon. She's no, canon. She's, like, she's a gay icon in a, in a major way. Okay, well, that, oh, okay, well that's good. So I don't feel like I totally yeah. missed the... Because, I, I, you know, and those records, I think they're... It's, it's funny, like revisiting it now, it's interesting because, and that was sort of a difficulty that I had with the genre because, you know, I, I like understated singers, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. I just love, you know, my favorites. I, I love the, the Bobby Gentrys of the world and the Lowell Georges of the world and the uh, Lou Rawls and the Ronald Isleys. I like the, the sophistication in the voice and although Ronald Isley is pretty over the top, but the, like a lot of these singers, you know, it requires sort of an, and I think that's what is a little bit of an obstacle for people. Like Brian said, it's a cheese ball factor. It's like, you sort of have to adjust for the drama. You have to say, this is an interpretation. This is a dramatic moment. This is theatrical. This is storytelling at just as much as it is musicality. Yes. Um, mm. All right, Brian, let's rev up your outlier pick, which I totally approve of. And I'm love that we included it because the name of this tune is Mississippi Goddamn. 
Speaking of storytelling. Uh, and I mean every word of it. We know you do. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody knows about Mississippi Goddamn. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. And everybody mm -hmm. knows about Mississippi Goddamn. Brian, who are we listening to? Who is this? We are listening to none other than Eunice Kathleen Wayman. Known Nina. professionally as Nina Simone. Love it. Uh, just an iconic American singer, songwriter, musician, pianist, arranger, and civil rights activist. Um, and as I listen to this song, I'm just like blown away that the shit is from fucking 1964. You know what I mean? So you got a proud. Listen to her. She's uh, like, she's fully blowing out of the audience right now. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. This is the, this, the album's from, from 1964. She's at like Carnegie Hall or some shit. And, you know, basically just uh, letting all these white people know about themselves. And, uh, you know, putting white in, white America and, and, and white supremacy on blast. And, and saying goddamn on a freaking pop song. This was a single, you know, and they sent this out to radio stations and radio stations were boycotting it and breaking the records in half and, and sending them back to her. And, you know, um, but she was fearless, yeah. you know, kind of the, 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 the consummate artist. Um, it's kind of almost impossible to, to overstate her importance and, and impact. Um, you know, both as 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 a, as a musician and, uh, and and a civil rights activist, um, and yet she's still a diva. You know, yeah. she's she kind of she, she she's an outlier in that she's, I mean, she's not what one might typically think of when you're thinking of a diva. You know, but um, I think she's she's got all that there. She's got the otherworldly talent. Mm -hmm. She's got the iconic uh, status. She's got that mercurial personality for sure. That's you know her 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 tales of being quote unquote uh, difficult to work with or whatever or her, or her um, struggles with mental health and, and and whatnot um, you know definitely have been have been well documented um, and then she's got the you know the, the she's a style icon mm -hmm. you know in a, you know as, as well you know when I think of Nina Simone I think of these you know amazing you know uh, you know head head scarves and headbands and you know that iconic picture of her with the you know crystals on her eyebrows and on her eyelid and you know um and just also just um one of those singers too who you know, feeling good for an example it's like it's a song that everyone tries to sing and you can't yeah, you really and can't shouldn't. and and it's everyone always does it well but mm -hmm. whenever i see someone get exalted for singing that i'm like you got to take it back to the beginning on that one because that's been right. done i mean yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Girl, the girl should be able to sing whatever they want we love seeing feeling good performed it's an amazing song but i was like just make sure that you do your history on that one before you come right. out here saying michael buble has the best feeling good uh yeah, we, yeah, yeah, and right. we love ms michael we, but... we, we may we may try and get you back for the for the male diva episode because I, I feel like I, I feel like you have much to say on that. That was, you know, I, I think. Absolutely. Um, did you did you guys see uh, what happened, Miss Simone? Did you any either of you watch that doc? I did see that. Yeah, that's a, you know another like kind of wild single one of these tales. Gr is pretty great. Um, I mean, very very you know Academy Award nominated 
Did they win the Oscar? I don't remember. But anyway, um, yeah, Nina Simone, idiosyncratic. Uh, didn't she end up living in Paris? Yeah, like, I mean, she fled, you know, basically fled the U.S. after a while. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she... she uh, um, she pretty much was only recording pop music to like fund her studies, you know, as in, in, in like classical music right, and stuff. Right. She you was know. notoriously a classical uh, pianist. All right. She's, and she's, you know, she's got this album in like 78 where she like covers Hall and Oates and shit. Oh. Yeah. I was Do just going to say, you get the sense that she is a voice that could have sung anything. Totally. Like, like anything. Like, 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 had Nina Simone been born in 1995, we'd be hearing from Nina Simone now because she would have. Hit, she she would have been artistically and musically relevant no matter when she was born. I guess the closest thing we have to that right now is I guess Adele, where it's just like a timeless sound. Sure, but but mm -hmm. with Nina Simone, it's like to the tenth degree with that. I thought you, know you were I mean? going to say sure. Taylor Swift for a second. I thought it was coming right there. The, the <laughs> no, closest I think, thing I think with... Taylor would have been famous anywhere from the seventies on or the sixties um, on. But you, do, do I the know resources. the Nina Simone record where she covers Hall and Oates? Who do you think you're fucking talking to here? First of all, she covers Randy Newman's Baltimore on that record, and there is an incredible rendition of Everything Must Change on there. That is a great lost 70s record. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the moment, and I, I want to say this for our listeners, um, the multitude of listeners. I mean, the vast listener sphere that uh, attends to every word that we say on this show. The, 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 the data is off the charts, folks. But we are at the GOAT, mm. the greatest of all time of all divas. And like, just like this is a dramatic category, this is a dramatic designation. Like, I don't want us to get, you know, because like, we're going to, I feel like sparks are really going to fly here, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, there. there's a lot of opinions. And Matt, we're going to kick this to you. Uh, mm -hmm. As you are our um, resignated, our designated uh, resident uh, diva. Expert, I, I, I literally dare anyone to start up with me about this one, but go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, well, I don't. I don't think you're gonna get much clap back here, but here we go. I better not. Oh boy. God damn. <laughs> that shit is the main line. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> All right. Who are we listening to? Not like you need to tell us, but tell us, Matt Rogers. That is the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin herself. The one and only, the legendary, who will never be replaced and will always be remembered as the, the like we said, the legendary Queen of Soul, pioneer when it comes to female vocalists now. If anyone is out there, they... They, you have her to thank for, and, and this is this is so. So I have some gays that I'm friends with, and they sometimes will be really, they'll really be trifling, and they'll say, "Who out of the? Can you rank these five singers?" And they'll say, right. they'll say Whitney, Mariah, Celine, Barbara, and Aretha. And I say, you have to stop right there because Aretha is not in that category because none mm -hmm. of these girls exist. Maybe Barbara because Maybe Barbara. her influence was something else right. and she came along mm -hmm. at the same time. But Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, they will tell you that they would not exist without this woman. Right. And she was She's a deity. She was a deity and she she was truly, you know, I'm not a religious person, but as touched by God as you can be. I mean, she was right. a vessel for something else. She was something that was it's not just good music, it's not just great music, it's important music. It's defining music of a time of a generation of a 
of a collective voice for women, for African-Americans, for anyone that's felt downtrodden. Like this is, this is so much bigger than just diva. This is music history. And what right. the, the, the thing that you mentioned before about, um, are we gonna talk about what the Divas live concert, which was by the way, existed to exalt Aretha as they should about sure. at the end of the show when they were all singing together and Celine Dion tried to like challenge Aretha when it came to riffs and runs at the end of the show as the finale. Mariah says in her book that this was something that she was shocked and taken aback by because Mariah right. had sense and uh, we love Celine, but I believe right. it was disrespectful to do what she did. And all I sure. need is Mariah Carey to say it. And you know that Mariah called Patti LaBelle and said, did you see that? And she said, if you had acted a fool the way that girl did, I would have disowned you tonight. It Oh my God. <laughs> because you don't do that. Because that was her moment, and you don't try to compete with Aretha Franklin. And this. As if you could, anyway. As if you could. I mean, and Celine held, Celine did great, but but like you said, right. But it's, why would it's, you want to do done. that? Why would you want. Because right. in the end, at the end of the day, if you, what, if you won, do you want to be the mm -hmm. one? I think Celine Dion mm -hmm. right. really wanted to be the one. And I think she might have right. been on one that night. You because what you it, do, might be, it might be a cultural thing, right? Like maybe since she's like can, French Canadian, Mariah she doesn't get like that. Well. That's not, you know, she's like, oh, we're having fun. But like, let's do I but, think like, she thought it was a pass around round robin situation. Meanwhile, no, she didn't but, have right. she didn't have the right gay in her corner or the right person on her team that was like, and you hang back at the end, Celine Dion. Like, because we know right, you can right. rip and roar. We've heard you do all your number. We heard you do River Me River Deep Mountain High tonight. This is going to be Aretha's moment, but not to dwell too much on the negativity <laughs> of it all. To say no. <laughs> that I just want to say shout out to my art teacher in sixth grade. Her name is Lorraine Knobloch. She was my first period class was art, and she put on the record of Aretha Franklin Greatest Hits, which I have, I, I just started collecting vinyl and it was one of the first things I bought. It opens up yes. with Do Right Woman, Do Right Man. Mm. Dan Pantoon, great song. And you go through the whole album and it's just, it, it's 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 a lesson. You can get in a whole vocabulary for how to sing, how to perform, how to translate a song, how to get it across, how to rally with music when you listen to right. Aretha Franklin. And I was again not a religious person but i feel the need to say blessed to sing her to see her perform live at jay leno's tonight show when it was 2009 oh, wow. and it was just so ha happened that we got tickets to see aretha sing and I, I, it was just i am again so happy that during my lifetime i got to share a space with aretha franklin the queen of soul the greatest singer yeah, of all time while she sang and it was it was truly and we should amazing. also mention Badass uh, pianist, yeah, incredible, and and, uh, and, and a songwriter, you know, um, yeah, something something in a way that I think gets omitted by you know, I mean, like we talked, we touched a little bit on it, but like you know, she, I'm, I'm trying to think, I think Ain't No Way is an Aretha composition. Some Oof. of you know the I and, love yeah. Ain't No Way. That's a tune. Uh, mm. Oh my god, I get mm. chills. I mean, I picked Think because I just think she, I mean, it's it's, it's so crazy because she's so powerful when ridiculous. she's singing it, but it feels like she just said. Let me get off off this chair and tell you something. And, and it feels right. it feels like it's like I've right. been meaning to tell you this and I forgot earlier. Let me just say, you better think think about what you're trying to do to me. And it feels powerful, but also effortless. Like, oh, this is a thought I had. Think about the way you treat me, <laughs> um, and I'm gonna roar it at you and not even try. Um, also, a great example of like you know, 
the sort of second wave of Aretha music in the 80s and sort of how like the kind of comeback is sort of built into her career and like the blues the, brothers the, of it all yes exactly but like you know those those 80s like the who's zoom and who record is no joke you love who's zoom and who. i love a little who's zoom and who. you love who's zoom and who. through the 90s the first time even through the 90s even her single at Yo, the Pink time Cadillac. her single at the time of um uh divas live was rose is still a rose baby oh girl, yeah you're still a flower the lauren hill composition oh bitch this this is like she never stopped she never stopped. And that's why her death is so tragic, too, because you get the sense that there was more. I mean, even a couple of years before her death, she released an album called Aretha Sings the Great Diva Classics. And she oh, wow. sang all the way from, from early 60s to she covered, I believe, Rolling in the Deep oh, by Adele. Oh, yeah, she sang yeah, No yeah, One yeah. by Alicia Keys. She oh, had my God. all of it. There is, a, there, is a, it. there is an incredible, incredible Aretha version of what a fool believes from the early oh, that's right. 80s that that's is right. bazonkers it's so amazing and it's so crazy it's like if you thought like what a fool believes is the most complex craziest pop song you ever heard it's like that times 10 it's like it's like gospel chops everywhere also, I'm gonna, is she the queen of kicking your ass at your own song too right like obviously respect you know well, took that shit right away from otis it's not otis's song anymore she's the queen i i think i think we're gonna make I, you and i have made the case that the isley brothers and ron isley he's like they're certainly the kings of that shit where they're like the kings of that, where right, they take aretha your song the and they, do, they, they kill you at it but no but aretha that's a great point like she basically and again to matt's earlier point about celine that whole move where it's like she's i mean like how like you're saying otis was still set with uh, to the to his dying day was sour about that that was his song and basically Just her tough. version Talking about covers and talking about a real Aretha protege, who's one of the best singers that exists right now, Kelly Clarkson shreds everything she sings on her show every single day. She does the karaoke segment and she covers oh. she covers songs that the fans send in. There's yeah, nothing beast. she can not sing, and she her her musical idol is Aretha Franklin as well. We're, I just we're gonna to give, have a in a terms of covers queens, Kelly is. It's it's dark how talented I, she is. I I know you are a major Kelly Clarkson proponent. Kelly that, is that I, my shit, and Kelly is the, one of the reasons why I even know a lot of this music because I have to credit American Idol when I was very young because they would do theme weeks. So like for example, Kelly Clarkson sang on Motown Week. She sang "You're All I Need to Get By," and I was like, "This music." And then she sang "Natural Woman" famously, and she did a whistle tone, which no one had done um, on the mm. show. And I was like. Where does it? Where is this music? What is this? And I was like, it's all Aretha. She also did "Don't Play That Song." She did, you know, she was just singing so much Aretha. And so, as a result of watching that show and starting to stand her, I became a fan of sure. this older music. That's yeah. how it works, you know. You find do. like that's that's a lot of times their bands, power pop bands, is how I got into the Beatles and Queen. Like a lot of times, you know, it's it's finding that band presently. That brings you or that brings you back, and I do think this is such. Mine was hip hop. It was hip. Same thing with hip. It's like, uh, I like think I know from third third uh, third base is a uh, gas face. Really? It's like they it's like people it, knowing yeah. Shaka from the Kanye song. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Or Whitney's cover of "I'm Every Woman." Exactly. Um, so and then also. Uh, I do, I do think we're going to need like a notable omissions because I'm already thinking of shit that I left off yeah. that I want to talk about. All right. So, no, I mean, the fact that Mariah's not here is tough. Um, and, I, I, and, and I'll slow accept it, but. Your fucking roll, young man, because oh. I am about to introduce my goat as to why I'm going to argue that this person may have a throne over Aretha. Are you pandering? I'm not pandering. <laughs> I'm not pandering. 
I'm speaking, I'm speaking from the heart here. Let's give it a little time for the 6-8 to set in. And, you know, it's a slow, slow roll, this tune. Mm. <laughs> I'm just gonna let her go for a little bit longer before I you before should I get, before I get into this. Let that ride, baby. Yeah, I let her ride a little bit. Okay, we're listening to Mariah Carey, and in my estimation, she is the goat diva. She would say, she would tell you to shut up and sit down, but I won't. Well, here's the argument. She's the meta diva. She is the post diva. She is the self-aware diva. She is the diva who recognizes her divaness Mm -hmm. in a way that it's, and the way it's played out in her career is fascinating to me. Because she's clearly incredibly intelligent. Like to the point, and also hysterically funny. Yeah, very funny. Because now, when you know the arc of her career and where she is, you hear elements in these records where you're like, is she fucking around? Okay, so obviously we don't need to talk about her technical expertise and the thing, but there's something about her tone that is really distinct and unique where it's almost like she has almost jazz elements to what she does in a way like she's not like she's not a power singer i mean you know and and i just brian correct me at any point when i start like going off the rails here but like it's this idea that like i think there is a um she she to she croons to me a lot more she's less of a belter you know yes and i think i would agree she can bell she can i mean obviously especially early mariah but but um, but even like an early Mariah, sort of her signature tonality is this kind of crooning, sort of like uh, very smooth, very like beautiful delivery. And it's like interesting to hear her on that tune where she's like sort of gospeling it up. And knowing what mm-hmm. you know about now in the arc of her career, there's like it's almost like she's making fun of gospel. Like I just there's something about the way she sings that it's like she has she is so. Opposed to like someone like Aretha, and again, I am not gonna uh, say that Mariah is the better singer than Aretha Franklin. That is not what I'm saying. I am saying different. she's. We could just. You would never say that. Different. You would be a crazy right. person. I actually don't think she's the better singer. I personally prefer, but I think there. I, I think Ara- Mariah embodies divaness more than Aretha does because, and also because of the way that she sort of reclaimed her career in this incredibly fascinating way. Because, you know. Like around the time when she marries Nick Cannon, like she's a joke, she's a train wreck, you know. And also, and she's been she's been a joke. She famously had that breakdown on like TRL, you know. She's, she, well, she's gone know. through many. Na- okay, go ahead. The narrative, Matt is Matt is the the narrative there, the narrative there is a little fuzzy. She wasn't really a joke when she married Nick Cannon. She was just some someone we had accepted for being who she was. She right. was a quote unquote joke after glitter. After so glitter, glitter right. was so what glitter made her is, a joke. Glitter is the moment when it bottoms out. Right, and even that's not when I would say it bottoms out. It bottoms out a couple of years ago yeah, at agree. the uh, Christmas, at the Christmas or New Year's right. Eve performance, whatever she does. Uh, 
she tries to sing and there were some technical difficulties and she would just she, she didn't have it and it was like this big disaster everybody was talking about so in the book her as if she was like a washed up and, 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 and Matt is the only one who's even, read the book right it, does she not even okay, touch so on it she references it in the book but basically what she says about it is like that was a bad day for me I don't give a fuck about it Good she was like you. I walked up stage and didn't you. care it was two degrees like I couldn't hear shit I probably shouldn't have even been there whatever right. like I don't care oh god bless her Which, see that's the right attitude she doesn't give a fuck and also she was being and, badly and, managed at the time and she, right. now I, we, I'm seeing we are seeing her truly in a new day and yeah I love this turn she's 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 yeah made. because she she's no one is telling her, don't say this, don't say that. She's kind of just out there. And she, you're right to say she is hysterically funny. And that is truly how you can tell how smart someone is. But outside right. of all that, I, I would agree you're not that. not biased, but. No. no, no. I, would, <laughs> I would agree um, that she, in the modern age, has re repurposed and sort of defined she's what it means her, to be a narrative. diva. Yeah. She's re well, ha she's had to do it several times too, Correct. because I'm telling you, and not, th not that this should be an ad for the book, but nothing that any of the three of us can say can say it like Mariah says it. And you can get the meaning of Mariah Carey and read about it. And I would suggest listening to the audiobook because she sings throughout it. I'm telling you, you both really. Oh, shit, I'm all over. I just have as a music lovers. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm fucking all on that. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm on you that got to, tonight. Because also. It's like as people that have been in the industry, like she talks a lot about Tommy Mottola and Tommy the shit that she had to go through. She basically was literally a prisoner in their home in upstate New York. What? And I'm telling you, like it, it talks to you are going to die when she starts talking about how she knew that hip hop was the next thing. She was like, hip hop is crossing over into the mainstream. We can get on board now or we can watch it pass by. I'm telling well, her you. Her hip hop bona fides were in order. Yeah, she knew her straight shit. Straight up. I mean, she when she had ODB on the fantasy remix, that was her right. idea. That was her bringing yep. it in. And when she, she talks about it in the book, when she heard him come in with um, me and Mariah go back like baby was a pacifier. She said she got up out of her chair and was freaking out because she knew it was music history. She knew she was oh, like wow. she was like yo, I just created the hip hop feature on a pop track. This is nuts. Wow. Like we have to. And she said she looked over at Tommy Mottola and he didn't get it at all. She's like he was like I could do that. She was like you are crazy. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. So then with that, that was one thing. Then she was like, okay, now I feel myself crossing over with hip hop. I have the respect. She was you know working with Jermaine Dupree, working with Debrat. Then she got Jay Z on Heartbreaker. I mean, come on, right. like. This is someone who could stand and deliver a song and also has the hip hop bona fides. Don't even, my favorite album of all time is the Butterfly album. It changed my life. And, yeah. you know, that has. Um, She's got range. I mean, right? So, like, doing adult contemporary, middle of the road pop, you know, she can do songs everything. Or whatever into, she can right? do everything. And, She's like, I mean, telling She's you, just like. And writes her ass off. And we haven't even spoken out loud the fact that she writes and composes it all. Right. And, and, like, and, and I'm going to say, like, next to, I'm looking at our list. I, you know, I. I'm not, I, I, okay, Bjork writes her own stuff. Bjork's her own universe. And, and Cindy is touch and go. Like, you know, Girls Just Want to Have Fun is a country song. It's actually written by a very famous mm -hmm. country writer. I think it's a country writer. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, know but Mariah, more than any of them, that like that's all her material, you know, for the most part. I mean, I think Vision of Love, some of the early stuff is, is written by pro songwriters. Um, well, not, not on paper. Is is she a writer? No, on that's her. Rise about like that's half her. That was her. on her demo. You you're probably right. I mean, like she, she's she's legit. Like she is like, and that's why I think, I don't know. To me, when I think about the modern definition of diva, that like 
she is t- she has moved the conversation forward as opposed to like difficult person like she's a self-realized and a self-actualized like she controls her own destiny i guess they all did but i don't know there's something about no, her not in the same way because here's the fucking tea mariah's still here and mariah will still write music that's relevant now yeah, like yeah. Mariah Carey year, uh, wrote "Vision of Love" with Ben Margulies. Yeah. All right, well, shit, man. <laughs> and a, she also no like, she wrote a lot in the '90s with this dude uh, Walter Afanasov. Yes, the, and, yeah, exactly and, then, right. and then of course we we haven't even spoken about the fucking song that I have played more on piano. <laughs> and I Does it st- always and, be my baby. No, come come nope. on. I know Look what it, it's going to be. I'm a, I'm a, you, is it all for Christmas is you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, but right, like, right, right, right. And I'm, and I'm still not sick of it. No, she but wrote the, the last Christmas classic. Yeah. She wrote the last Christmas classic. And, and no one has done it since. Because, that's because this is a like preternaturally talented writer. When I tell you she wrote All I Want for Christmas is You, which is a Christmas standard. Yeah, it's point. like the it's biggest, like Charlie it Brown is Christmas. the biggest Christmas song. I mean, it, it, it currently, as of right now, is number one on the Billboard Hot 100, which is insane. <laughs> and then that same writer has written Vision of Love. That same writer has written Always Be My Baby. That same writer wrote, why are you so obsessed with me? Boy, I want to know. It's just like a diss track to Eminem. It was a huge hit. That's recent. Oh, that's so great. Like, yo, Touch yo, My yo, Body. won the battle. Oh, please. There's not a competition. And it's just like right. this this person has written relevant music for 30 years. All right, we're going to move along here with our last Bonkers. goat pick. I mean, we have we like this is we're, this is an epic podcast. We're just we're just up in it. We're we're this feeling is a great one. I'm having a lot this of fun. This is good. All right, Brian. I'm I think I'm turning gay by the way. Come I on. I love that for you. In the best way. And there's Come only on, really is- a good way. Unless you're right. uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. He's gay, he's gay in a bad he's, way. He's the bad guy. Right, be... And Buddha Judge, depending on the day. <laughs> we like him sometimes. <laughs> it's a good day for um, him. All right. This is Brian's goat pick. Here we go. Throwing us representing here. I got to represent. Drop that shit. Hey. <laughs> oh man, we're all dancing. Um, I'm gonna let her sing a little bit, and then I want you to tell us about this. Here we go. Here she comes. Brian, who are we listening to? Who is this? This is this is the latest album by Taylor Swift. <laughs> this is Evermore. She this is, this is Evermore. Really... This is Evermore by Taylor Swift. Uh, no, we are listening to. I'm gonna drop this government name because this is incredible, even better than uh, Nina Simone's. Ursula Hilaria Celia de la Caridad Cruz Alfonso, known throughout the world as Celia Cruz. Yes. Uh, Latin music. Icon, a uh, Cuban singer, one of the most popular uh, Latin artists of the 20th century. Um, rose to fame in Cuba uh, in like the 1950s. Um, she predates salsa. She's known as like the queen. She, she became known internationally as the queen of salsa, but she predates that term. She was doing that shit for 20 years before somebody just, you know, before uh, 
uh, Johnny Pacheco and, and Jerry Masucci decided to create this catch-all term of salsa to uh, denote all these different Latin rhythms that, you know, the top uh, bands in New York City were playing at the time. Um, so she's got this incredible story of, you know, starting out singing as a very young uh, woman in, in, in Havana, Cuba. Um, she joined, she was the first... Um, black singer to front the very famous uh, Sonora Matancera, which is like the premier um, uh, a band in, in, in Cuba and left basically in 1960 after the Cuban Revolution and um, um, the music industry became nationalized and if you left to go tour, you know, and, and especially play in places like the United States or whatever, Cuba was like, you're not coming back, mm, you know. Mm. So, um, she got to go out and experience all this fame. You know, she continued her career first in Mexico and then in the United States and, you know, recording with Tito Puente and, um, you know, you know, becoming part of the, the, the scene as it coalesced in, in the, in the 70s with the Fania records. And, um, but this poor woman, you know, while achieving all of this success, wasn't allowed to return home, you know, when she heard her father was dying, you know, she so basically, basically had to, you know, miss both of her, both of her parents died and she wasn't able to return home to, to, mm. to see them. But, um, anyway, Celia Cruz is the, the queen. Um, she's just this iconic and, um, incredibly influential, you know, singer whose, whose legacy like looms large over mm -hmm. all, all of Latin So music. where does she fit into you in sort of our diva equation? Like, where does the fact that... Well, if you saw her, I mean, she's also like, you know, she is... I don't know how much of a handful she is if she fits that diva personality because by all accounts, um, I've heard she's a she was a delight, but um, she is was like super extravagant with these, you know, incredibly uh, flamboyant gowns, you know, sequin dresses yeah. and, and, you know, an incredible array of wigs and whatnot that would put, uh, you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara in Shit's Creek to shame. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she was she she was just that chick. Celia Cruz is just you know incredible. She, so she was fabulous and flamboyant and uh, incredibly talented mm. and uh, you know one of the biggest stars ever. And then still had like a very down home kind of uh, personality. Yeah, she I feel like has left such an incredible legacy. And I feel like you obviously see it in Gloria Stefan, and you see it. Um, and this is it depresses me that this this legacy couldn't have continued as big as it could have. I, I always think what would have happened if Selena had had like not been taken from us. I mean, there's a new Netflix she, series yeah. waiting for consumption. Uh, the I know. Selena, the series. <laughs> I know. Not, I, not I, I've, I've not, heard only bad things. I feel, uh, yeah. I feel like in the late nineties, like, like Latin pop had that huge moment, like with like Enrique oh, yeah, Iglesias, yeah. Ricky Martin, like Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony and, that. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like, Selena was gonna be like the the number one of all that. Like she was obviously gonna be like Madonna internationally big. And I feel right. like she, well, actually Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Lopez, yeah, as her proxy by playing Selena became part of that. Yeah, with one eighth the voice. But I mean, like that's, you're being generous, right? But I mean, and that's the thing is, it's like you could tell like when you watch Selena and then you watch old Celia Cruz, it's like oh, this is it's like what Tina Turner did for Beyonce. You know what I mean? It's sort of like sure, there was sure. a there was a path being paved, and I feel like. You know, like Celia's like footprint is so large. I'm so and grateful like, that you made that distinction because I was about to call out being like, you know, we're talking about Celia Cruz and not Selena, right? 
And, and oh, like, God. <laughs> don't worry. No, I was, I was like, man, it, it's sort of similar to what I said about Barbara with Judy. Like right. you can tell yes. so much yes. about someone by how, who they, who they, who, who comes in their wake. Like, totally. like Celia Cruz was an original, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't yeah, yeah. one before, like the way that there wasn't a Tina before, like people can like stand Beyonce, but there was a Tina first. You know what I mean? Like exactly Celia right. Cruz is someone who I wonder if we would know more if the 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 progeny like had slayed in the way that they were they're going to, you know what I mean? Like right. it, that was just a just a tragic day for for music, and I feel like people would be more in touch with Celia Cruz. Like in my generation, white people would know more about her if like that did hadn't you, happened. But I'm really do... thrilled to like that. Like we're talking about it now because if people that I'm friends with listen to it, maybe they'll check Celia Cruz out and like. Oh my god, Celia's like you know the funny Selena was actually more of a disco like she loved Donna Summer. Yeah. Like that was her that was her shit. Did you, know? you um she used to do like did she ever did Celia Cruz ever do any English records or is it always in Spanish language? She if she may have recorded something in English but I don't I don't think so. She didn't speak English and 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 Interesting. Um, yeah, the the at least ninety nine percent of of her recorded output is all in Spanish. All right, so before, but she, you know, before she, we kick back then, it was also you were you were doing movies. You know, you would you would be doing you right. know guest appearing on telenovelas and 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 things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and so she was, you know, just this massive massive star. Uh, so before we kick off, I I because I feel like we have there is some major. I'm already like my mind has been spinning here, and I feel like there's some major. Just like real quickly, who are people that you struggled with? You were like to not include that you felt like. Are, we're not, you know, for me, and you mentioned it there, and it's like, I have to say, I do, I wish I had put Tina Turner on my list some mm -hmm. way, some shape, mm. or form. Tina Turner. She was a storm of talent, yeah. I'm going to go out and say the greatest live show I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. I saw her in oh, wow. 2009 with the entire. Better than that Bob Dylan show that we saw together? Better than the Bob Dylan show. that we, Wow, this is amazing. I think this is the longest it's taken for us to talk about Bob Dylan on this podcast. It's incredible. <laughs> it took this a diva episode, it, and we it, wouldn't have mentioned him if I, I didn't bring him up. That's true. Like, <laughs> just to we, meet we basically quarter. had to rule his gender out in order for me not to bring up Bob Dylan. Um, but <laughs> I went and saw Tina Turner live at the O2 in 2009 with the entire band and crew oh, from Pink. Too. From Pink's show. Um, because my friend... Former episode uh, guest on, on our episode, Vivian Sessoms, was singing with Pink. She called me up when I was living in London, living my in my rock star days, and she was like, "Hey, come and meet us by the pier. We're going to see Tina live, and I'm going to sneak you in." And that's to baller. this fucking day, it was her last tour that she ever did. She was 69, 68 years old. Mm. The greatest live show I've ever seen, hands yeah. fucking down. It was fucking bonkers. I can't even. The, the range of that woman, the, the costume changes, and then to then, all, in the midst of her doing all the Mad Max and Thunderdome, all the shit, and then Nutbush with her fucking in the heels with the girls who are like 25 doing all the moves, sits down with her guitar player, just the fucking two, her, the guitar player and her and her three backing singers, and just absolutely annihilates an acoustic version of the Beatles' help. Like it. Oh, my wow. head fucking exploded. I've like I've never seen. I was like screaming like a child, like a little girl. I was like, "This is I've never seen wow. anything like this." And anyway, Tina Turner is the person. I'm like, I needed to get her on here. Who do you guys have? Who I want to tip one? my hat to Tina too because she did. She she checked off the ultimate diva box, which is she recorded a 
fuck of a Bond song. She sang the shit out of the GoldenEye mm. theme, and that was right. fucking. Oh, great. interesting. That's that. Yeah, yeah. Which what's? Oh, it was GoldenEye Tina. GoldenEye is Tina. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Um, for me, I would say the person that I feel like we just haven't talked about that much, who's just. When I think diva, I think power. I think, um, you know, just performance capability. You said Tina. I'll say, you know, the person that's that's quite sort of come in her wake is Beyonce. I would say yeah. that what she has done for, I, I think, commercial art uh, is actually um, we're not really even understanding how important the self-titled I think, album I think was. Kind of like, I think Beyonce is approaching underrated. Like I think we're getting to that weird place where it's like it was so Ubiquity there was so much Beyonce yeah. in the conversation. Yeah, Ubiquity right. years will ago do and that. And, and now I feel it's like, like yeah, yeah. When she when she was the biggest pop star in the world when she was releasing "I Am Sasha Fierce" and you know singing "Halo" and "Single Ladies," and then a few years go by and she has her experimental moment, but still you know major label thing with four and then which is my favorite album of hers got some i love that album. that's my that. that's my yeah, yeah. Great, and great song then she rather die young baby yeah and then she comes out with for me it's like i did i've seen beyonce several times live and it's shock it's shocking that a mm. human being is capable of that um in every way um but for me when she dropped the self-titled beyonce album out of nowhere that that cold December day, I believe, it, like it was like 2014. Um, I I will never forget how shocked I was by the content, by someone completely taking control of their own narrative, no matter how famous they were, or no matter what people expected from them musically. And is that what the one with drunken love on it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just yeah. and the visual of it all and how how clear she was about what she was saying and about how the statement it made about like she raised the bar for all of her contemporaries. You know, I mm. feel like Rihanna doesn't release as much music now because she's like, whatever, I'm doing other things. But also the bar has been raised so high by, by someone I think she's going to be compared to that she's like, we have to stop and wait and like, you know, my things have to be like anti-level now when when they get released. I'm not just, and right. it, it, she also created, Beyonce kind of like created in the popular way this like surprise album release thing that Taylor Swift That's now true. does all the That's time. That's true. That's absolutely um, true. Right. And that was never, that, that was shocking. And it was shocking that an artist of her caliber right. and impact was able to keep that a secret. But for me, what I always remember about that album is the content and how she said to women, don't apologize for your sexuality ever. You, you like you are you are powerful. And what she says to black women, and, and then with lemonade, how she unrelentingly will speak her truth. Just um, how universal she is, but how specific she is. And I mm. think that because she's Beyonce, and it's like it's like a Michael Jackson thing now. It's like a joke to say she's the greatest ever um, of right. her type. Um, you know, greatest living entertainer gets thrown around a lot. It is true. Like mm. as in terms of active performers right now, sure, I don't Beyonce's think anyone touches her. I mean, you're talking about someone who's done two iconic Super Bowls. And when she did formation right. of the Super Bowl, that is cojones. That is yeah, not sure. a fucking joke. 
All right. Yeah. She went out there at the She said to the NFL, I'm doing this and we're going to be dressed as the Black Panthers and I'm going to slay it. And and basically Coldplay is going to seed me their halftime spot. So, right. I mean, I have massive respect for her and I will be a fan till the day I die. Brian, who sure. is your if you were to say like there's someone you struggle with? Uh, Whitney. Yeah. Whitney. Oh, we tough. didn't get to put Whitney Houston on this list. And, you know, we talked about Mariah, obviously. And, and, you know, for those of us that were around for it, you know, when when Mariah came out, she was basically, you know, Columbia Records answer to Whitney Houston. Like, we got our own. Yeah. You know, Tommy Mottola was so happy. So happy he married her. <laughs> um, but there's there was that there was always that. Uh, the quintessential uh, 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 competition was you, you, you know, you, you were either a Mariah guy or you were a Whitney guy, you know. And uh, I, have, I have a cousin of mine. We always argue over who's who's the best, and he's 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 a Mariah guy through and through. And and I would always tell him that you know, Whitney, Whitney to me, if if we're just going like pound for pound as a singer, yeah. mm-hmm. I think I think Whitney's got Mariah on uh, as a singer, but Mariah is probably the, Mariah's the stronger artist because she's just. She's all, you know, all, all, all that is in house. Her know, work is stronger. Hits, you know? Yeah, her her work yeah. is stronger. But Whitney, in terms of the instrument, was, you know, like Mariah. Mar- well, uh, so Hero. I always the, the one song by Mariah I can't stand is Hero. She doesn't love it because I, every time I every time I, I hear it, I'm like, I, even even at the uh, as a kid when that song came out, I was like, wow, oh, this is just Mariah trying to do her version of the greatest love of all. You know what I mean? Like it was like. Everything Mariah did in the beginning was like this calculated, let's let's make her, you know, yeah. the new the next Whitney, you know. Yeah, and it's crazy because none of that was what she wanted. It's like right. you read the book now, and it's like <laughs> she would be told like, "Hey, Mariah, you need to write um, a song like Love Takes Time." This is the second single, and she was right, like, right. "I guess." And the whole time <laughs> was just like you know, wanting to do her hip hop thing. Like, cause that's part right. of her culture. And like she, she sure. and Whitney truly was, she talks about um, Whitney a little bit in the book. Like Whitney was born a singing royalty. You know what I mean? Like mm. she was, true, she was yeah. just a vocalist first and foremost and wasn't, didn't really get involved in the creative process because that was not what she did. Whereas Mariah was truly like a technician, a composer and a, mu- and a musician. Um, and that was the difference between them. So she says now, like, the fact that they were so oft compared was weird to them because they knew mm. how different they were. And that's why they were able to get along so well when they sang When You Believe, um, oh, wow. which, of course, is one of the most iconic diva collaborations of all time. Matt Rogers, From the Prince of Egypt, you have completed the podcast. And I, I want to say some things. First of all, you are a fountain of knowledge. Perhaps you know this already. About are- this. <laughs> I mean, we picked, like, we we served you up, and, like, you did not disappoint. We struck gold. We struck gold here. This is incredible. We are so grateful for your time. And I have to say, I am a, I've changed since the pandemic. I used to be a very bitter, broken man. Now I'm just sort of lost and at sea. But there are very few people that I wish well for in the entertainment industry, and you are one of them. And I, I love you very much, and I'm so grateful for your time. We benefited massively uh you can check out this playlist of these songs on spotify uh and we uh we're always here for the conversation and please listen to las culturistas watch hot dog hot dog however you want to pronounce it and keep your eye out for this man he is on the scene uh thank you so much matt i am your host mr julian villard i'm the other guy b ski thank you for being here and we are the real gentlemen of queens thank you so much thank you matt